This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Need a custom whiteboard? Tired of not having anyone you can talk to about your project? Let U.S. Markerboard be your source for standard and custom whiteboards, glass boards, and so much more. With 20,000 different board types, sizes, and colors, usmarkerboard.com has a huge selection of product and can make your idea into a reality. Plus, they offer competitive prices and, more importantly, superior U.S.-based customer service that you won't get from the big guys. Just go to usmarkerboard.com today and use promo code KICK at checkout to get 10% off your order. We're also sponsored today by the Best of the Left podcast, whose mission is to aggregate and amplify the best of progressive news and commentary. Each episode dives deep into a topic, pulling in a variety of voices to explore the issues. The show has a perspective, but it's nonpartisan, and they'll criticize anyone who deserves it. They've been going strong for over 11 years and have even won a couple of awards along the way, so you're definitely going to want to check them out. That's Best of the Left, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now, enjoy the show. The survival of our species has always depended on advances in agriculture. So, how do we make the most informed decisions about how we feed ourselves? terrifying letters in the English language are GMO. I wondered how many people really know what they are. I don't know. I know it's bad. Genetic engineering is a modern form of breeding. The goal is to add useful traits into food. I am concerned about some of the health issues related to GMOs. More colds, autism, susceptibility to hepatitis, cancer, HIV. There's absolutely no proof to a health hazard never trust one opinion. You look at the consensus of experts. I don't think that genetically modified organisms are dangerous. You're either going to be GMO or you're going to be organic. They cannot coexist. If this is an organic planet we're going towards, you would see all the rainforest destroyed just to feed the current population. This is something I'm going to look into. Some people can say wild and crazy things. I trust the social media more than most medical doctors, more than the CDC, more than the FDA, more than the EPA. I don't need a scientific study. Things like that. We humans are wired to make our minds up and that's it. We make decisions based on our gut. When was the last time you changed your mind? Our intentions were honorable. We were trying to protect the future of the planet and the health of our children. It begs the question, how do you know that GMOs are the enemy? What if we got it wrong? The good thing about science is that it's true whether or not you believe in it. You see, that's the... Hi, I'm Ben Mathis, and welcome to Kick-Ass News. That was a clip from the new feature film documentary from Oscar-nominated filmmaker Scott Hamilton Kennedy called Food Evolution. Amidst a brutally polarized debate marked by passion, suspicion, and confusion, Food Evolution explores the controversy surrounding GMOs in food. Traveling from Hawaiian papaya groves to banana farms in Uganda to the cornfields of Iowa, the film, narrated by esteemed science communicator Neil deGrasse Tyson, 
wrestles with the emotions and science driving one of the most heated arguments of our time and shows how easily misinformation, confusion, and fear can overwhelm objective analysis. In the GMO debate, both pro and anti camps claim science is on their side, but who is right? How do we ensure that our food supply is safe and that everyone has enough to eat? How do we feed the world while also protecting the planet? Has genetic engineering increased or decreased pesticide use? Are GMO foods bad for your health? And most importantly, what data, evidence, and sources are we using to approach these important questions? Today, the filmmaker behind Food Evolution joins me on the podcast to answer some of these questions. Academy Award nominee Scott Hamilton Kennedy is a writer, director, producer, and editor of both documentaries and scripted films. His documentary work includes the Oscar-nominated film The Garden, which tells the story of the complicated struggle over the nation's largest community garden. His film O.T., Our Town, about the first play in 25 years at Dominguez High School in Compton, which was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award, and the critically acclaimed Fame High, which follows four students through a year at one of the most respected and competitive performing arts high schools in the country. Today he talks about his latest film that tackles the controversial subject of genetically modified organisms, or GMOs. He explains exactly what GMOs are and whether there's any scientific evidence at all that they harm humans or the environment. He'll discuss how Hawaii became ground zero for the debate over GMOs and how a misguided ban in Uganda threatened to ruin farmers and starve one-third of that country's population. We talk about who's fueling the alarmism over GMOs, what motivates them, and the problems facing scientists and science communicators who are trying to combat anti-GMO hysteria with facts and data. He debunks the infamous Seralini study that says GMOs cause cancer and reveals the truth behind claims that GMOs have increased harmful pesticides. Plus, some of the remarkable things that scientists are working on with GMOs, the nightmarish scenario of what would happen if GMO protesters got their way and the whole world went organic, plus some of the remarkable things that scientists are working on with GMOs, the nightmare scenario of what would happen if GMO protesters got their way and the whole world went organic, and of course, we'll talk about Monsanto and why some people want you to believe the company is evil incarnate. Coming up with filmmaker and champion of science, Scott Hamilton Kennedy, in just a moment. Today I'm sitting down with Oscar-nominated documentary filmmaker Scott Hamilton Kennedy. He has a riveting new film that explores the battle between science and superstition in the debate over GMOs. It's called Food Evolution, and it opens in theaters in New York June 23rd and June 30th in L.A. Scott, thanks for dropping by. Oh, thanks for having me. The film is narrated by a recent guest of the show, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, the amazing Neil. Mm. Uh this really isn't in his wheelhouse as an astrophysicist. So why was he the right guy to deliver this message? And how did you convince NDT to come on board this project? Oh, it was the best thing that happened to the film. Uh, he's probably our greatest living science communicator. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's a safe thing to say, uh, at least in the United States. And I don't mean any insults to anybody I'm leaving off that, <laughs> that list. But that's why he did the film, right? Mm-hmm. Is he when, when people ask him, so are you still pro-GMO? He said he tells me people corner him at, uh, at book signings <laughs> and things like that. And he'll have some wonderful, well-intentioned liberals come up to him and say, are you still, you still pro-GMO? <laughs> he says, I'm not pro-GMO, I'm pro-science. And the science tells us that the current GMOs on the market are safe for, for us and safe for the planet. So he's a defender of science. So the film on the surface is a reset of the conversation around GMOs and the controversy, but it's really a metaphor for what happens if we do or do not use science in the way that we make decisions as parents or politicians. Now, as a filmmaker, did you go into this project with a particular opinion on GMO or was your point of view informed by the process? It's a great question. Um, a little bit of both. Mm. I, it's sort of a combination of, I didn't know much about GMO, so I learned a great deal. Uh, some of the scientists on the film uh, joked that we, that Trace and I, the, my co-producer and co-writer, uh, should have a honorary master's in, uh, <laughs> in, in, um, in uh, biotechnology. So I didn't know much about GMOs. Um, I wasn't terribly fearful of them. Mm. I was more, what's going on there? The fear never quite felt right because it felt like if it, if it was that scary, if it was giving cancer to rats or something like this, I'm not going to be hearing about it from Dr. Oz at two o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> and I think there's going to be somebody of a, a bit of higher yeah. quality, not to be a snob, that's going to tell me about that. And then the journey just became more interesting and more interesting. And I never heard of the rainbow papaya situation Mm -hmm. in Hawaii where that entire industry was saved by GMOs. And at the same time, the island, some people, some politicians on the island are trying to ban all GMOs. And then they grandfather in the rainbow papaya. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. What are you really telling us about GMOs? (laughs) If you're saying all bad, except this one, Yeah, that means they're not all bad. So that was, I found out about that through the wonderful science writer, Amy Harmon from the New York times and it just kept getting more and more interesting going all the way to Africa and the situation they have there in Uganda with 50% of their bananas being wiped out. And there's a GE fix for that, but they can't legally use GE yet. So, Well, just to back up a little bit. Sure. <laughs> sure. I jumped, I jumped down because uh, I tend two to, countries. I, I, yeah, because I tend to think that a lot of people just repeat what they hear on social media about mm. GMOs. But if you ask them, they probably don't even know what GMO stands for. You're, you're correct. <laughs> so briefly yes. explain exactly what is a GMO. Sure. I'll do my best. Um, GMO stands for genetically modified organism. The more scientifically correct term would be genetic engineering or G or GE. It's uh, GMO is a breeding method, not unlike other ways that we but farmers have been using for uh, making plants, fruits, vegetables, and other plants better over the last ten thousand years. Are we making them more sustainable? Are we making them sturdier? Are we making them more delicious, bigger, smaller, different colors? You know, things like ruby grapefruit and things like that. Um, But now with genetic engineering, they're doing it in the lab so they can get much more specific about what trait they want to add, they want to remove, they want to adjust. So um, it sounds on the surface different for some people that they don't like hearing about something in the lab. And I can understand that if you're only using type one thinking, (laughs) if you're using type one thinking lab and food, that sounds scary. But if you're using type two thinking, which is to get a little bit more analytical about it and ask some questions, it's completely natural. And again, going to Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, when his famous video defending GMOs, he said, we've been doing this for thousands of years. Chill out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And nature does it as well, right? That's right. 
That's right. Yeah. That's right. We're GMOs. <laughs> yeah. uh, give us some examples of how genetic engineering has been able to improve crops recently. Sure. Um, the most famous GMO crops are, are Roundup Ready crops and BT crops. Mm -hmm. So Roundup Ready crops are where they have genetically altered the plant to be able to withstand the pesticide Roundup. Also, also known as, well, the, technically glyphosate, also known as Roundup. And what that means is you can spray the plant at an early stage, the weeds die, the plant grows, right? Um, the other one is called, is, is the BT varieties, and the BT varieties are using a naturally occurring insecticide that's in the soil that actually organic farmers use in a spray form to kill insects that they engineered into the plant, and then you don't spray any insecticide because it's already in the plant. People on the anti side say, oh my God, it's killing an insect. What's it going to do to us? <laughs> Again, type one thinking, that sounds scary. Mm -hmm. Type two thinking, and the people, the scientists that did the work on this obviously tested this over and over again. Right. That, that protein in the soil, I'm going to say it incorrectly. Back, oh, I won't even try. BT, <laughs> I won't even try to say the scientific way, uh, the full scientific term for BT, um, has no effect on us, it has yeah. zero effect. On, on human beings. Yeah. And actually, if you look at the history of people being against GMOs, they don't even talk about BT anymore. Most of them, only yeah. the most extreme. Like that's pretty much been given. Huh. What they still talk about is pesticides, pesticides, mm -hmm. pesticides, which is, a, which is a fine conversation to have. Let's have that. One of our mantras with the film was don't limit the way you think about GMOs, right? GMO mm. is a process, not a product. When people, most people hear GMOs, they think of Monsanto and they think of Roundup Ready crops. Yeah. And that's it. That's like saying, when you think of cars, I only think of a Hummer. <laughs> so it's a little bit limiting. Let's yeah. talk about the process, where it should be used and where it shouldn't be used. Well, they always say that poison is all in the dosage. Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to be upset about BTs, you may as well be upset about coffee. It's essentially the same situation. Coffee beans, it was a, a Darwinian adjustment in their genetics yes. to fend off pests. And right. that stimulant that kills bugs is what gives us a buzz in the morning and gets us going. That's it's right. the same thing. That's right. <laughs> now, the getting, you're absolutely right about the, uh, the poison is in the portion. And one of the things we were so excited about making the film, there's a lot of elements and we'll just stick with food in the food conversation that just feels like it's out of balance. It's just out mm -hmm. of balance. What is good food? What is bad food? What is pure food? These, these, what's, a, what's natural food? What's poisonous food? What's toxic food? And it's just completely out of balance with the reality is that we have the most abundant, safest, beautiful variety of food available to us in the history of mankind. Now, somebody's going to come back at me and say, how can you say beautiful when there's so much processed food? That's a longer <laughs> conversation. And, and that is an issue, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that we still don't have an incredible <laughs> amount of safe food available to us. So what I like to ask people is, which is more important for my kids to eat organic fruits and vegetables or that they eat fruits and vegetables? Yeah. And the science clearly says, eat your fruits and vegetables. Wash your fruits and vegetables <laughs> if you're concerned about pesticides. That's very, very important. Do wash your fruits and vegetables. But there's no data. I jumped on you to, to another subject. <laughs> Forgive me. Right. I do that. Um, uh, there's no data to say that you need to be eating organic fruits and yeah. vegetables. There's plenty of data to tell us that we should be eating fruits and vegetables. <laughs> well, let's just start by cutting to the chase then. One by one, let's go down the list. Is there any scientific evidence 
that GMOs cause disease or pose any kind of health risk to humans? So you need to, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't break that down into pieces. The the easy answer is no. (laughs) So the easy answer is currently all of the GMO products that are on the market, and it's only about nine of them, um, are, have been determined safe for consumption and safe for the planet by thousands and thousands of studies and scientific organizations like the AAAS and NAS and all across Europe. And the way I like to put it is people that have come to respect those same organizations, the NAS, AAAS, and, and others to give us information about climate change, and they believe that information about mm-hmm. climate change. If those same organizations are telling us exactly what I just said, that GMOs are safe for us and safe for the planet currently, take the rest of them on case-by-case basis, where's the disconnect? Why do you listen to the science on climate and you deny <laughs> yeah. the science on this? Yeah. Because they it's outside. some credibility with you. That's right. It's it's confirmation bias. And right. like it, it works for their the way that they see the world on one thing and it doesn't work for another mm-hmm. one. And that's a real fail. We can't. We, we can't have that, especially in a time of alternative facts. Mm-hmm. Okay, next up. Is there any scientific evidence that genetically engineered food is less nutritious than, say, organics? Wow, I haven't had that one in a long time, but I did. <laughs> there is a quote in the film where yeah. Andrew Kimbrell does say that. Um, I can't believe he didn't get blowback on that. Absolutely zero. Wow. It's scientifically, it's really almost impossible, but Somebody could. I'm sorry. That's a silly thing for me to say. I don't know if that's if it's scientifically impossible. Um, but the answer is no. And the bigger yeah. one is he's saying that because it benefits his worldview that he thinks other food he called if it's organic or other food that isn't GMO mm-hmm. is better. Yeah. And and let's really, really look at the evidence on that. Yeah. Uh, is there any scientific evidence that GMOs somehow contaminate non-GMO crops or weaken crops to disease and pests? That is, I'm going to check on that one because it's, okay. it's, there's, I'm not an expert on each one of those pieces that yes, plants can cross pollinate all the time. Right. It's the, it's the word you use a very interesting word that it, is it damaging them. Right. And that's yeah. right. You, you Cause not. that's something that some people have tried to say to me and I, I truthfully don't know much about this. That's right. <laughs> and like I'm going to, I'm going to apologize so, yeah, to my team. Know. I'm going to apologize to my, that, yeah, I'm going to apologize. They know it or not. <laughs> sure. I'm going to apologize to my team that I don't have a better, that I don't that's have right. a better answer for that. But the, the, the question is, is it causing harm mm-hmm. to those plants? Is there any, again, scientific evidence that, GMOs are worse for the environment than organics or any other type of pesticide. Again, a huge question that we have to, to that we have to peel back. So, um, currently, the if you look at just um, if you look at just BT crops, mm-hmm. for example, right? So BT crops are in corn, soy, and cotton, and they have removed thousands, millions and millions of tons of pesticides that was being sprayed before. So that's a huge net positive. Um, with glyphosate and Roundup, the, the, the Roundup ready crops have used more glyphosate, but glyphosate is less toxic than the other pesticides that they use. So that's also a, a net win if you look at it from, that, from, from the big picture. So you really have to break down each one. Mm-hmm. The other piece that's left out of this, though, is farmers have been fighting with weeds and bugs since the beginning of, 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 of farming, right? It's the beginning yeah. of time, but really since the beginning of modern agriculture. So call it about 10,000 years. So organic farmers still have to fight 
with insects and weeds. <laughs> they do it yeah. using or, or what are organically approved means. Some of those right. are toxic. And I'm not saying right. that to scare anybody. I'm saying wash your fruits and veggies <laughs> and trust in yeah. or, organizations like the USDA to tell us both what is organically uh, acceptable and what is safe for other farmers to use. So it's just a very nuanced yeah. conversation and you got to look at the the entire piece of it. But again, we have very, very safe food available to us. Don't just think one is magically better than another. Yeah. And people forget that, you know, just because it's organic doesn't mean an organic pesticide is any better for you than a chemical one. I mean, you know, poisons like hemlock are naturally occurring poisons. That's right. Right. (laughs) Copper sulfate is used in organic farming and is, is, Mm -hmm. is, is very toxic. Um, but they use it safely. I trust that most farmers are doing their best to use it safely and, and they, they need that or they're going to lose their crop. Now, the anti-GMO movement points to something called the Seralini study as their big scientific evidence that GMOs are dangerous. What did that research purport to find? And more importantly, is it credible? Sure. We're very proud of the fact that I think we're the first film to uh, point out the failings of of that study. Um, In science, one of the most important things you do is uh, in good science you don't promise results, right? You don't come to a study with, this is what I'm looking to find. You come to it and you say you might have a hypothesis, but you don't know where that hypothesis is going to go. Right. In Seralini's case, he used rats and fed them GMO corn, and he used rats that had a propensity for getting tumors after a long period of time, no matter what they ate. And sadly, even worse than that, he kept them alive longer than most scientists would to get the tumors huh. even bigger. So they looked oh, really? really, really scary, right? And this, this, I mean, I'll admit the photos are scary. Oh, if there's I, no, I didn't know better. There's nothing. There's <laughs> nothing to. De- there's there's the basically no denying. The there's no denying yeah. that those photographs are scary, and we were very careful in how many times we even showed those photographs. Yeah. Because they're so effective, and mm-hmm. they've been so effective. That we want, we actually showed the faces of people looking at the at the photographs more than the photographs because that's what this is about is the mm-hmm. effect that those photographs had. So he um, had a, held a press conference. He didn't allow any other scientists to be there to question his work. It was published in a scientific journal, and then it was retracted. Thankfully, after people saw that it wasn't repeatable, and there were other besides mm-hmm. the rat situation, other things that were problems, and no one's. Um, repeated it, knowing that I've, to my knowledge, has even right. attempted to repeat it but, because it, it's not going to work. We would have, from a non-scientific yeah. point of view, if that's what was going on, those huge tumors, mm-hmm. all of us, most yeah. of us have, are eating GMOs. We look like we, the elephant man. We would all look like the <laughs> elephant man. And that's not science, everybody, just to yeah. be clear, that's not science. But uh, yes, it's a, it's a failed study yeah. and it's a shame that people use but it's still out there Absolutely. and it's still getting oxygen. Absolutely. A lot less, mm-hmm. a lot That's less good. oxygen. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot less oxygen than it used to because there are people that are even anti-GMO or anti-Monsanto in other ways that have said, well, this study doesn't stand. We can have mm-hmm. other issues with, uh, with, with, with the technology. We can have other issues with what they see as big food, right? Mm-hmm. I just made a mistake right there by saying, GMO and Monsanto, <laughs> right? That was one of the, again, one of our mantras. Monsanto doesn't own GMO, right? right? And right. we need to separate these, we need to separate these things. And I even just fell into it. <laughs> well, you know, the science seems to be pretty conclusive, but I was kind of amazed by this one statistic. You say that 37% of Americans think GMO 
are safe, whereas 88% of scientists agree that they're safe. That's right. How do you explain such a huge chasm? That's a larger gap than climate change. Wow. Denial. Um, I can only explain it by um, incredible communication on the fear-mongering side. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's not it's on the surface you say gmo you say genetically modified organism and you and it just doesn't sound terribly pleasant right i mean it's not it doesn't sound like you know uh, a raspberry frappe um so uh there's a few things that went against it but a great deal of fear-mongering um from one side and monsanto says it in the film rob fraley from monsanto says it in the film that we didn't own the conversation early enough. We were not involved in communicating with the public early enough. A certain element of the public, they were communicating to their buyers very well, and that's why they have 90% of the market. They thought it was just going to go away, and it was a fail that they let other people own that conversation, and misinformation got got out there. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I hope we can do something to to lower that, because as Neil deGrasse Tyson says, if we don't if we're not using science to make decisions, it's the beginning of the end of an informed democracy. Well, you spend a lot of time with people on both sides of this issue, specifically relating to the rainbow papaya in Hawaii. Mm. And it's kind of a good microcosm of this debate. How did Hawaii come to be the front line or the legal test case for the anti-GMO movement? The exact how I don't have all the evidence of that, uh, like who, the chicken and the egg of did individual politicians in Hawaii say learn incorrectly that GMOs are scary and say we want to try to ban them throughout Hawaii? Or did outside larger anti-GMO groups say, hey, Hawaii is a perfect place to take mm -hmm. some well-intentioned liberals who want to eat delicious and fresh and nutritious food, scare them about GMOs, and then make that the ground, quote-unquote, ground zero? Mm -hmm. That chicken and egg, I'll let somebody else discover which way it went. I think it's probably a mix of the two. Um, I learned about the Hawaii story, the, uh, the, the filmmakers, uh, we learned about the Hawaii story through the wonderful science writer and two times Pulitzer Prize winner, Amy Harmon from the New York Times, who wrote a wonderful piece about this struggle in Hawaii to try and ban all GMOs. And that was interesting enough, but when some other city council members other county council members stood up and said, um, I'm sorry, there's a couple problems. One is there's no science to support the fact that you're <laughs> scaring us about GMOs. And the second one is the rainbow papaya, one of our greatest crops, was saved. Sorry, the papaya industry was saved by a GMO fix for a virus yeah. that was killing the papaya industry. And they went, oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll grandfather that one in. So <laughs> what are you telling me? What are you yeah. telling me about so GMOs? That's okay now, or that, what? Right, yeah. they're all terrible. You know, they're showing they're failing in that yeah. decision. They're all terrible, except we'll grandfather this in. So you're saying they're not all terrible. <laughs> so let's let's let, the good news is then let's continue on that journey of peeling it back mm -hmm. and talking about case by case basis. So yes, that was the inspiration for pretty much the first act of the film. The state ended up repealing that ban That's right. in Hawaii. But currently, where are there GMO bans in place? Oh, my God. Around the world. Oh, that's a long list. <laughs> we have that wonderful map in the film that I would have to go that I would have mm -hmm. to go to. So it's 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 too many countries. Mm -hmm. But I'll give you an example, even with Europe, where a lot of countries in Europe, in the EU, say that they ban the growing of GMOs, mm -hmm. but they import them from South America. 
That so would seem like a contradiction. That's a bit of a contradiction, right? So they'll say, well, we don't have it. We label the GMOs. We label pro- some pro- products that have GMOs in them, but our our animals are being fed GMO feed, but we don't label those as GMOs because they determined that that's different for them. <laughs> There's a lot of squishiness going on. I'll, I'll use Vermont mm-hmm. as, a, as another example, very similar to to uh, to Hawaii, where they were very, some people in Vermont were very proud that they were going to be the first state to label all GMOs, mm-hmm. but they grandfathered in another industry. Come on, listeners, what industry in Vermont would they have? <laughs> what do they have grandfathered in? Dairy, cheese, cheese, exactly. <laughs> that uses GMO rennet, yeah. and they didn't want to have yeah. that, that stamp on there. So Which it, all cheese is genetically engineered, is it? Most not? cheese, <laughs> almost, or, or, or you're killing yeah. animals to to get to the rennet, right? right? To right. Do, if you're doing it organically, so yes, most cheese <laughs> is using a. a a GE process to make the rennet that makes the delicious cheese. So again, it's not just look at each piece individually. It's what's the motivation of people mm-hmm. that are trying to tell you, I'm so proud to be transparent on GMOs and save you from knowing that you're, you're you stop you from eating GMOs because it's going to have a label on there and I've, I'm helping you. And yeah. then you're saying, but I'm not telling you about the GMOs in this cheese. What do you really communicate huh. to people? Yeah. And it goes to, you know, one of the biggest questions, not that only we had in the film, but what I have as a filmmaker and a journalist asking the world, how do we tell the difference mm-hmm. between an honest broker and a dishonest yeah. one? How In this day and age, how do we tell the difference? And data helps. And one of the places that banned GMOs for a while was Uganda, where they had, a, I guess, some sort of a banana blight that <laughs> one person referred to as the equivalent of Ebola. To the banana industry, yes, yeah. yes, it's um, it's the banana wilt virus in in Uganda that's wiped out approximately fifty percent of this certain banana, and bananas, by most estimates, are about thirty percent of the caloric intake of most people in in Uganda. Wow, especially uh, uh, the most who have the least, as we put it. Um, and it's yeah, it's a terrible situation, and they've tried lots of different ways to to, to curb it, and somebody inspired a bit by what. Uh, Dennis Gonzalez did with the rainbow papaya in Hawaii is figured out a way to inoculate this banana against the virus. And it's working, and there are field trials, as we show in the film, where the bananas are thriving. These GE bananas are thriving, um, but they don't. They can't legally give them to farmers yet because there's not a bill in place. It's actually two stages. There's not a bill in place in Uganda to even consider GMOs, hmm. and then they can vote on it. And mostly wow. we've seen that Outside forces in the United States and Europe have done direct fear mongering going to places like Africa to stop that kind of legislation from being pushed through. Wow. And meanwhile, farmers are losing their crops. People are starving. It's it's a it's a sincere uh, food crisis situation that um, and it's an interesting way of looking at. We've been very proud of uh, doing a very unscientific poll in, in screening the film before the film. We asked members of the audience, how many of you fear GMOs for yourself and, mm-hmm. uh, or, or for the environment? And we ask the same question again. And usually we get about, call it 30% of the audience that might hold their hands up and say they fear GMOs. And then afterwards, of that 30%, it's usually at least 50% that we've convinced to not be mm-hmm. scared anymore. But there's still some people that have their hands up, and that's a, fine, that's a fine conversation. What's the extra interesting question is when we say, okay, but how many of you think that the farmers in Africa have the right to choose GMOs to stop this tor- terrible blight with the bananas, 100% hands go up. Oh, really? Right. And again, huh. it goes back to the irony of, so what are you saying? <laughs> if you're saying you're yeah. still scared 
then what are you saying about the the decision to use it in Africa? Are you saying that's only okay <laughs> yeah. if it's a nine one one situation? That's only okay for those people. I mean, it's dangerous yeah. what that 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 Im- implies. But I'm very happy that in terms of empathy and the science that we present in the film, that they are available to using GMO in a way beyond the way they may have thought about it in the beginning of the film. Yeah, because the whole GMO debate really is a first world luxury. Yes, it's absolutely a first world uh, situation um, to the point where I use a a Woody Allen joke, if I may. Uh, in Annie Hall, he he lowers a girl he's trying to talk up to a Upper West Side Jewish cliche, and he's he's doubling back on himself, trying to not sound, you know, get make it any worse. And he goes, uh, "Yes, I'm a, I'm a bigot, but for the left." And and sometimes I think of that in this situation where it's like, are yeah. we being privileged? Are we being mm-hmm. righteous? Are we being yeah. uh, hypocritical, but for the left? Yeah, there does seem to be something insidious when you have people who are deliberately misinforming moms and making them feel guilty about giving oh, their kids terrible. non-GMOs. Um, I want to talk about a few of the biggest perpetrators of this fraud. First, tell us a little bit about a man named Jeffrey Smith. <laughs> oh boy, Who is he? Oh, boy. Jeffrey Smith has become an icon in the anti-GMO world. Um, he's a performer, I think, is the, is the first <laughs> way I'd like to describe him. When we first turned the cameras on him, at the Heirloom Festival in Santa Rosa, California, he talked for about 20 minutes before I asked a question. It was just like really? the camera was on and he just went into his his uh, diatribe. So he's a, prof- I don't know how else to describe him. I'm sorry, I'll try again. I'll try to describe him how he describes himself. He would describe <laughs> himself as a, as a journalist. He's also a documentarian. He makes, he, okay. he makes, he makes documentaries. But on not a subject. scientist, right? He's definitely not a scientist. He's definitely not a doctor. <laughs> Um, he gets called doctor sometimes on Dr. Oz and, and is, is corrected. And he was asked if he was a doctor and testimony in Hawaii. He goes, he didn't say no. He said, oh no, Jeffrey's fine. If they should call him doctor, he didn't say no, but he does say no in the film. He says absolutely no in the, in the film. Um, I think people like Jeffrey Smith think he's Woodward and Bernstein. I don't know <laughs> if he's convinced himself of that, but he thinks that way. And it makes it seem like I'm taking on the man and I'm, I'm speaking truth to power and I'm really just spinning fear for, for my own ends. And it's a, it's a shame yeah. because you're abusing so many different layers <laughs> of, of communication, journalism, trust, fear-mongering. Well, yeah, and let's talk about that abuse. What are some of the things that he claims GMOs do? Oh my God! Well, you heard it in the film. He said, he said that they they increase your chances of getting a- HIV. He says might. He does say might, might. Okay. but then he follows it up by saying this is completely backed by peer reviewed data, which it isn't. <laughs> um, he says terrible things. He says that'll give you leaky gut, and the the BT the BT will will. will I mean, just horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible fear mongering. Yeah, cancer. Um, I think even heart disease. Heart disease. Uh, yeah, but when he said <laughs> HIV. Yeah. And it's like, Autism. wait a minute, I'm sorry, HIV doesn't, that's not yeah. even scientifically how HIV is transferred. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he shows his cards in a, in a, in a few ways. And yeah, I think he's just using fear to try and further his, his brand and, and his point of view. I, I've seen him eat consume food and he is very meticulous about not eating gmos oh really i've seen that okay, so, so he practices I, I, what he, he practices what he <laughs> preaches preaches if it's not to the point of being kind of annoying yeah um so that 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 part i've witnessed yeah. i don't 
I'm not sure what motivates him. It's it's really really tricky, and I um, well, you do say that he sells a lot of books on his website, absolutely, and uh, I forget what else. He has a documentary that he made, yes. something like that. Yeah, yes, he's he made a, a genetic roulette. Yeah, so this oh. is a full time job for him, would you not? Oh say? yeah, speaking fees and okay. all of that. Of course, I'm being. Uh, I'm dancing around the fact that, yes, I do think what motivates him is furthering his brand, which also increases his cash in his pocket. How about Zen Honeycut? She says that she trusts most mom blogs more than medical doctors. She's a big leader in this movement, too, right? She works with an organization called Moms Across America. Um, Yeah, Zen is a tricky one, too. And she I want to give her credit for, you know, as a parent to parent that she it was trying in the beginning to look for answers for her kids. I guess she's talks about her kids had rashes and things like that. And they Mm. went on a non GMO diet and that fixed it. (laughs) And maybe it did. I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't there, but it was also be a million other things. That's exactly right. There's no evidence to support. There's correlation does not equal causation. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Neil, he's, he's got, he's getting to all of us. Um, and so I do know that she fear mongers. I do know that she's put, you know, terrible studies on online about saying that she's, you know, has proof that with urine samples and things like this, that somebody has a higher risk of getting cancer. And there's just no scientific evidence to support that. And fear mongering is just a terrible, it's a terrible, terrible thing. You know, yeah. one of the reasons I made the film is I feel that a lot of parents, again, probably mostly privileged parents, uh, have their shoulders up in their ears of like, I, I, am I making the right decisions about food? Am I making the right decisions about where to send my kid to school? Should it be mm-hmm. public school? Should it be a charter school? Should it be a magnet? Am I am I getting them the the best that's going to put them on this magic carpet ride to you know becoming a president without any pain in their life? And it's like that that journey doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, as Brenny Brown, wonderful sociologist Brenny Brown says about what we're supposed to do as parents is to say life is hard. I'm going to badly uh, paraphrase this. Life is hard and you're enough. You're worthy of this struggle with life. And, and, and we love you and we hope that we can help you deal with this struggle of life, not protect you from unknown fears and, and things like that. So it's a shame. One of the most interesting people in the film is a guy named Mark Linus. He's a science writer who was a very active protester against GMO, mm-hmm. even was going out in fields vandalizing and destroying GMO crops. But then he switched sides. What was the evolution of his thinking on this issue? He looked at the science that made him look at climate change and say climate change exists. And I'm going to make decisions based on that science to try and curb climate change as best that I can as, as, a, as a science activist and as, a, as an environmentalist and as a writer. And he was denying the science on GMOs because it didn't fit into his then worldview or his, his uh, confirmation bias then. Um, and he changed. He said, I couldn't deal with that. You know, hypocrisy, if we're going back to the Woody Allen joke, he couldn't deal with that, that hypocrisy of saying I'm accepting science on one issue and I'm not accepting science on the other. And he changed his mind, which A is science, you know, change your mind when you see data to, 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 that's going to help you change it, even if that data did exist earlier and he didn't change his mind, but he still, and also just as human beings, what a wonderful thing that we can mm. do as human beings is that we can change our mind, Yeah, right? That That's available to us and it's very, very hard, right? Yeah. As, as the wonderful journalist uh, Tamar Haspel says in the film, you know, when was the last time that you changed your mind about something? And it's, it's, it's difficult um, to go and, and find when, how rare that is that, that we do it. So my hat actually goes off to Mark Linus mm-hmm. that, that he did that. It's yeah. not an easy thing to do. 
Uh, some people would could still be frustrated that, you know, why should we forgive him? But that's that's also a beautiful thing that we can do as human beings. We can forgive and we can try to get better as we go down this this difficult path. If the science doesn't support the beliefs of the anti-GMO crowd, then there have to be other reasons for this. Is it maybe a case of people are conflating GMO with other issues, such sure. as their maybe their fear of multinational corporations, their distrust of big pharma, outrage over corporate greed? Is that part of what's at play here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and another wonderful science and uh, food journalist, Nathaniel Johnson, with grist says that in the, says that in the film he says that it's a that it's become a metaphor for other for bigger issues mm-hmm. so again going to type 1 versus type 2 thinking type 1 thinking would be big food bad big food equals big profit equals influencing government and you can go down this rabbit hole of i can't trust anybody and again i'll go back to nathaniel johnson when he started he did a 26 part series just on gmos for grist a, my hat's off to Grist for allowing him to do it, and my hat's further off to him for digging in and digging in. And just a tiny piece of that was him looking at the checks and balances organizations, the FDA, USDA, places mm-hmm. like that. And he he had his own liberal bias and was like, oh, are these places going to be bought off? He was cynical at first. Like, is this? am I going to find evidence to say, damn it, we can't trust them. Mm-hmm. They are bought off by big money. But when he goes and looks after years and years and cases of cases, their batting average is excellent at doing what they're supposed to be doing. Does that mean they're perfect? There's no such thing. Hmm. Perfect is the enemy of the good, as Voltaire would say, right? <laughs> that uh, that he, but he, but he was convinced that they are working. And I want to get on that bus. I want to get on that <laughs> bus that says, I don't want to throw something out because I think it's big and it's government and it's evil. I want to look at the data and help me decide, is it actually helping me protect myself, protect the planet, protect my kids? Um, and I mean, I, I laugh with some of my friends that like one of the most controversial things you could do at a hipster cocktail party in a liberal <laughs> enclave like Silver Lake, California, where I live would be to say, hey, guess what? I trust in my government. It's like, oh my God, people's heads would explode. <laughs> and that's what we're saying at the end yeah. of that conversation with those particular organizations. And again, is greed dangerous? Hear me out. Yes, <laughs> very clearly, <laughs> greed is dangerous. Money has influence more than we want it to, but that doesn't mean that aren't there aren't systems and people in place trying their best mm-hmm. to fend that off. Why has Monsanto been elevated to almost the level of a comical <laughs> supervillain? What's behind that? Well, um, I think you're going to need to ask Monsanto too, but uh, <laughs> from our experience, um, they failed at not getting in front of the conversation. Really, and, and Rob Fraley was nice enough, was humble enough at least. Rob Fraley from Monsanto says that in the film, mm-hmm. that he says we should have. I ask him, you know, what should you have done differently, and he says we should have been more upfront c- communicating with the public, mm-hmm. and they communicated with their farmers. And again, the farmers found their products to be very, very helpful, and that's what turned some of their products into being used by ninety percent of you know so soy, corn, and uh, and cotton farmers in the United States and around the world. Um, but they didn't communicate with some of the people that were scared about it because mm-hmm. they weren't really selling to them. So you can kind of understand it, right? It's like if I was selling, yeah. if as a filmmaker, if I was selling, 
you know, 90% of my films were being sold to 90% of the people watching my movies in, in, in a certain state. And another state was like, he's making horrible movies that are poisoning the world. It's like, okay, I'll just let them keep talking. It's a fail, but I can, mm-hmm. I can understand it. So it's, it's, it's communication. Mm-hmm. You got to take a minute and go, why are they feeling that way? Let's yeah. try and relate to what does Zen Honeycutt want for her kids? It might be, it's usually probably the same as what I want for my kids. And can we actually get down to where we agree more than we disagree? Sometimes we can. I also wonder in playing the PR game, was part of it that Monsanto, you know, being a company was developing new technology and they probably have competitors that they're dealing with. Oh, sure. And they didn't want everything just being out there before they had developed it and gotten it on the market. And that got somehow construed as secrecy or they have something to hide. Sure. There's again, yes, many pieces, many pieces to that. Uh, One would be, so is it right that Monsanto patents their, their seeds? Um, That's a longer conversation for, for other people to decide legally. If that's the, if that's the case, Um, I know that I pay for, uh, for technology that is patented all the time. Sure. There's lots of patented products in the organic industries as well. You come up with something, you spend millions, thousands, millions, or billions of dollars in development on that, and you need to see a return on your money. If we're going to get into the longer conversations about what is capitalism <laughs> and the ethics of capitalism, that's a very tricky thing. I do ask all you people out there going to business school, please make sure that your business schools have classes in ethics. It's a good thing to have going along with your capitalism. Um, but yeah, there's so many layers to how yeah. Monsanto was perceived and what were their real crimes and what were overblown crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you that. One of the wonderful environmental economists that we interviewed, David Zilberman from UC Berkeley, I asked him, I said, I got to ask you the Monsanto question. He goes, okay, (laughs) Monsanto, excellent science, too many lawyers, but in terms of ruthless capitalism, they can't hold a candle to Apple. Sorry, really? sorry, Apple. It's not my (laughs) quote, it's his. Right. And we don't think about it that Mm -hmm. way, right? We don't, we, we, how many, um, you know, environmentalist movements or an anti-GMO march, uh, mm-hmm. a, a march against Monsanto was organized on an Apple product, mm-hmm. right? And that doesn't mean <laughs> I use Apple products. I use lots yeah. of different products. That doesn't mean that that we shouldn't check Apple too. Of course we should. Or it Whole ju- Foods. Or you Whole point Foods. that out in the film. They're just as big as Monsanto. Right. And they're funding this anti-GMO hysteria. They have they have had influence on this anti-GMO hysteria as well. And, you know, it's one of the more shocking moments in the film in terms of what audience has told us when we, we reveal those graphics that that Whole Foods made more money and profit than Monsanto in 2015. I think they did it again in 2016. So that doesn't mean that Whole Foods doesn't get to make a profit. <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying if your goal was to buy food that didn't support a big industry and you wanted to support something small, were the decisions you were making even supporting your intentions, mm-hmm. right? And it's hard. You have to break down each 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 piece of that. Um, so, yeah that 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 one is uh, that one stuck with people. Yeah, Mark Linus and some others with a group of young science advocates called the March Against Myths seemed a little discouraged because the scientists' argument for GMOs, they say, doesn't fit very well on a poster board. It's hard to sum it up into (laughs) something people can chant in unison. That's right. What do you think is the key to the Hearts and Minds campaign to win over the anti-GMO crowd? It's a good question. Uh, We sure hope the film will help, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to 
take time in a, in a 90 minute film and, and really break down uh, what this conversation is about and get into those details. So we would be honored if the film helped with that. Um, relating to, to the other side uh, and then of course having GM products that have an effect on that element of the public. When a GMO product like the banana in Africa is more in the public's knowledge, they're going to see that, oh, this is this is a process, not a product. Yeah. Let's take it case by case. Let's give it a chance. And if it comes up where somebody is saying, use GMO for this answer, and there's data to say, no, there's a better fix for it. I'll get on that bus in a, I'll get on that bus in a heartbeat. As, as, as Mark Linus says, I'm not defending GMOs. I'm defending science. Before we wrap up here, I want to just get a brief glimpse at the two possible futures here. Okay. GMO or non-GMO. Um, What's possible in the near future through genetic engineering? Some of the technology that's on the table is there's a GE mosquito that's in development. Actually, I think it's mostly uh, already seeing success that could stop things like Zika because it would kill yeah. off the bad mosquitoes and, and let the other ones live. Um, wow. There's a terrible citrus granny disease that's, that's, that's wiping out citrus in Florida, Arizona, and a couple other states that there's a GE fix that's in the works for allergy resistant peanuts that are in the works. So it's, it's a technology. <laughs> yeah. It's a technology. It's not, um, it's not, it's not magic. It's a technology mm-hmm. that's being used. And another double edge of the, I hate Monsanto because they made billions of dollars off of this, this technology that they put billions of dollars into to develop is, well, let's make it cheaper to do GMO mm-hmm. by not fear mongering about it so that the right. blue sky scientists at our public sector universities can be doing GMO on, on things like drought resistant rice, like Pam Ronald at UC mm-hmm. Davis and other ideas that we don't even know about, right? That's another yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson quote. There's, <laughs> there's something being worked on right now that we don't even know, a scientist yeah. is working on right now that we don't even know how much it's going to mean to us. Yeah, I was amazed. Uh, apparently, they even either have or are working on a strain of golden rice that has an extra high dose of vitamin A. That's right. To help starving children in Africa and elsewhere. Uh, yeah, in the far in the Far East, and mm-hmm. it's it's close to being pu- pushed through. They've been working on that for a long time. But to be able to take a staple crop like rice, where sometimes it's 30, 40, 50 percent, maybe higher of of someone's caloric intake for the day, yeah, and has very very low nutri- nutrient, and is very low in terms of how much nutrients it's had, and increase that to lower blindness where I don't see the downside yeah. in that. Is wow. it going to work? That's a longer conversation. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be accepted by the people there and taste as delicious as their other rice and be accepted? That's, that's trick. That's the trickier conversation. Is yeah. the science going to work, but who would be against that? I don't, I just don't, I just don't understand, or at least as a choice, <laughs> right? Another way of looking at this yeah. thing is if you looked at a farmer growing GMO crops and a farmer growing organic, because usually a farmer who's going organic isn't yelling at the farmer who's going GMO because they know how hard it is. Mm-hmm. They, they've just the farmer who's going organic usually yeah. made that decision based on finances. Some of them are doing it with more passion, but the person who's supporting organic, not the farmer, the person who's supporting organic and saying GMOs are bad, and then you look at the person growing GMOs and somebody that supports GMOs. Has, have you ever seen somebody that grows GMOs saying you shouldn't grow organically? I've never heard that. So yeah. why isn't it equal in both in both ways in terms right. of leaving somebody the choice until we see that something is dangerous, the choice to farm the way that they want yeah. to farm. And GMO is now so prevalent in agriculture. I mean, you say that I think 90% 
of corn, soy, cotton are grown with Roundup-ready seeds. Let's look at the flip side of this and say, what if GMOs were, say, banned by the UN worldwide? That's right. What would be the fallout from that? It would be worse. Yeah. You would be using harsher pesticides yeah. than glyphosate to to have that food. Mm-hmm. Somebody else, some people will try to say that we could make this an all organic world by all of the research we have done and the evidence that we have seen. That is just not doable. We would it would take mm-hmm. more land. It would right. take more natural fertilizer and poop getting down to the, to, yeah. to conversations about poop that we don't need to have <laughs> on, on this. Yeah. So, but I mean, how much more land are we talking? Two, three times as much land to grow the by, same amount of crops, the same amount of food I, organically? Yes, by 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 certain studies, and don't quote me on this. We'd have to go back to the studies. It would take at least fifty percent, sometimes a hundred percent, sometimes more land wow. to grow those same crops. Wow, which and, is isn't good for the environment. Which is, of course, not <laughs> good for the environment. You're going to be knocking down more yeah. trees. So again, wow. it's but the yes and, not to, yeah. to say, the yes and <laughs> of this is that organic farming is is a is organic farming is a practice that should be used and will continue mm-hmm. to be used, and it makes us look at farming in another way. The question is, if you're trying to say that it's the ultimate farming mm-hmm. or that other type of farming is evil. That's the thing that we want to remove yeah. from the conversation is we have the wonderful husband and wife team of Pam Ronald and Raul Adam check in the film at UC Davis. He's an organic farmer and she's, she's working on GMO crops like drought resistant rice. And they, they, that somebody would say, well, how can they be married? It's insane. They're from polar opposite sides of this spectrum. It's like, no, they are about sustainability. Yeah. They're about science. They're about use, making the best decisions for our food that we can in each given situation. Before we go, I just have to ask, was this film in any way funded by Monsanto or anyone else in the bioagriculture industry? Absolutely not. Not a, not, not a single dollar. All right. Well, Food Evolution comes out June 23rd in New York City and June 30th in L.A. Scott Hamilton Kennedy, thanks so much for talking with me. This was fun. Thank you. Thanks again to Scott Hamilton Kennedy for joining me on the podcast. Food Evolution opens in New York on June 23rd and June 30th in Los Angeles. For more information, visit foodevolutionmovie.com and follow the film on Twitter at at foodevomovie. Be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. Don't forget to take our listener survey. It only takes five minutes at podsurvey.com kick. You can visit Kickass News on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at, at @kickassnewspod and be sure to recommend Kickass News to your friends on your social media. And if you really want to help out, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com/kickassnews or click on the donate button at kickassnews.com. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickassnews.com. For now, though, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kickass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.